The following is a paid program. The views or claims made are not necessarily those of WILK staff, management, or sponsors. It's time for Laurie and Lynn. Local talk to start your weekend right. And now, Laurie and Lynn on WILK. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? How are you? I'm fine. Wonderful. Yeah? Yeah. Good. Yeah. As as we're taping this today, it is the 1st of April. And uh, a big shout out to my daughter-in-law, Jessica Tabin DiNapoli, who turns 39 today. Yay, Jack. Benny's favorite age. Uh Uh-huh. And it's not mm-hmm. an April Fool's joke. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Happy birthday. Happy Jeff. birthday, Jess. So you they were it. both, uh, well, they all three of them were here last weekend. And we had a wonderful visit. And uh, it was just nice to see. What amazes me is their, their two-year-old daughter uh, just, it's it just, I forget because <laughs> it's been quite a while 20 some years since i've been around a little kid that much that i've i've seen her when she was a newborn when she was you know it just periodically through the course of the last two years but what was really funny was to see the difference between her last weekend and the weekend i saw them in january and we only saw her for an hour so i can't really say that that was all that meaningful, but what a verbal, vocal child she is now. She's oh, just good. reached a point where she she uh, is like a mockingbird. Every time you say something, she says it again. And it yeah, used to be that she would look at the cats and call them Mau Mau. That was the most she could say. Now she refers to him to them as Mr. Hobbs. And Calvin. And I think it's great. But it's just so funny to see how much of a difference there was in that short period of time. And so she's just doing really, really well. She's a very happy baby. One of the funny things uh, that I I loved about her was she couldn't wait to get her yellow um, rubber boots on and go out and splash in the puddles. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) And I can't wait to get my rubber boots on and go out and splash in puddles, too. Well, I I have them. The fun things we have to do. I know. Uh, I have them, but I didn't do it. But I do have them. Only mine are, uh, they're uh, uh, army green, you know? Oh, boy. Are they hunter boots? Yeah. Okay. I need to get the ones I see all the time where they sell them at Target and other places. Yeah. Oh, not those. No, they're not. crazy. No, hunter boots are. Yeah, we don't want that. We have to get with the program. Yeah, no, hunter boots are um, the name of a boot company, and they're great. They're they're high rubber boots, and they're great. I don't think Target sells them, do they? No, they don't. But I do have them. That those are the ones I have. Yeah, they're great. I see them advertised all the time yeah. in places like the, the flyers that come from right. Macy's and, and the, you look at yeah. the colors on them and they're outrageous, but they're wonderful. I know. They're wonderful. I know. They make a dreary, crappy day look like it could be a lot of fun. Yeah. 
So, well, um, so how are you um, on... I, I, there was something on Facebook the other day and someone asked a question. If you saw, you know, no shoes, no, no, you know, whatever that is, no shoes, no socks, no shirts, no shoes, no service. If it said yeah. no shoes, no shirt, whatever, no masks, no service, would you go to that with that? Would you deal with that store? And of course, everybody was saying, of course, you know, yes, yes. So, um, I, I won't say who, but a friend of mine told me today that they were at Home Depot and there were like five to six to seven people walking around in Home Depot today in the Dixon City one with no masks at all. Mm-hmm. And, and this person said something to the person, you know, like, where's your mask? Mm-hmm. And, and he said something then to the man, one of the managers or people there. And they said, well, we can't do anything about it. And, I, and I'm like, but yes, you can you don't let them in if they don't have a mask. Like, you, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter if it's mandatory from the government or the state or whatever the hell get it, heck it is. Like, put it on front. No mask, no service. And don't let people in. But it's always about the almighty dollar in the end Absolutely. that people don't want to lose the fact that these they're walking in with no mask because they, they can't be told that they shouldn't wear a mask. And that's what it boils down to. They're not going to be told what to do, so they don't do it. It is. It well, blows I, my mind that you are so self-centered, yeah, and so self-righteous, and so against anyone telling you what to do that you walk into a store like that where everybody else is in there, and rises in COVID are still happening, and they mm-hmm. are just so belligerent they won't put a mask on, and yeah. then Home Depot not enforcing it. What's wrong with them? Well, I told you that was probably about enforcing. a year ago when this first started that I went to a. A store, I won't say which one it was, a food store. I was going in there to do my shopping. And three guys walked in. They were in their mid-20s. No masks. And this was when it was really intense. I mean, people were, you know, the numbers were 11,000, 12,000 a day of new cases. And these guys walked in. And I went up to the manager. And I said, why are these people allowed in here without masks? He gave me exactly the same answer. There's nothing we can do about it. We can't enforce mm-hmm. it. I said, well, then you why can't you let them in? But you can't, right, you can't enforce it. it. Yeah, Just I say so. no mask, no service, you know, send them packing. Yep. I don't understand. Well, and again, it all boils down to corporate decisions that are all about the bottom line. And right. you're not going to tell me that Home Depot, I mean, I don't know enough about it. I don't own stock in either one of those places, Lowe's, Home Depot. I don't know what Lowe's situation is. But on Home Depot, that these, everybody knows these companies have been making money because people are doing home repairs and all their things. Right. Their house becomes the most important thing through this year. So that, just be, like, be respectful. And these, what the heck is wrong with people? I don't it know. It just blows my mind when it just... It, it, that infuriates me. When they told me that today, I said, oh, good, because I'll be happy to bring it up on the show. Like, it's, yeah. it's just ridiculous. It Wear is. a mask. I know people don't yep. like it. You know, but, you know, you're inside. Wear it. It's not everybody knows they're, they're, they're a pain, but you got to do mm-hmm. it. Yeah. If not for you, then for others. But I yeah. think that's, that's what the issue is. <sighs> People just don't oh, have please, the senses for others. Please just wear a mask. Really? Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Did you ever see that Highmark um, 
commercial where no one says anything ever, and the cat is with its owner. And oh, it's a, yeah. I think it's a, what is it? A, it's um, a Persian. No, no, it's not. No, it, it's, I think it's a Himalayan, isn't it? Well, it's blue. Cool. It's got blue and it's gray, white. and it's got beautiful. It's blue. It's gray. It's, the eyes are real blue, and the, it's mm-hmm. white and gray. It's adorable, and mm-hmm. it and it looks like a Siamese. I think. I mean, it's not Siamese, but it looks that the face sort of looks a little bit like very. And it stares at them. It stares them down, and then it kind of looks at the wherever it is. Like the woman didn't have her mask, and and the cat's like just eyeballing her, and she realizes she has to put her mask. And then the, when she takes her mask out, the cat goes away, and then the yeah. guys walk washing his hands on the thing and the cat, the cat looks at the, the soap dispenser and I love the one where he's sitting on a bench with his owner, the cat, he or she and a, a person sits next to them <laughs> she doesn't have a mask on and he like goes closer to her and like in other words get out of here, you don't have a mask I love it, I think it's, and there's no words spoken at all, it's just I all know. And and there's and nobody's better than a cat to do that because they're so persnickety and and telling their you know I just love it. I'm thinking yeah, it's come on, right. get with the program. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, good one. Yeah. So I just I just have no tolerance for people who just won't comply. Yeah. You know, if I don't want to go somewhere because I don't want to wear a mask, which I, you know, I don't, I, anytime I have to be anywhere, I have a mask on where I have to have it. But if I don't want to, I don't, I won't go somewhere because I know that I, you, you know, you have to do that. So if you're doing it, then wear a mask. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I don't know why people don't. Well, we could go on and on about no, but I also think that a lot of people who have had their two shots and they've passed that full um, whatever period it is when they're fully vaccinated and they're as good as they're going to get as far as being, um, what is it, I don't know, cleaned up or whatever. They somehow think that at that point they don't have to worry about it anymore and they don't wear masks. You know, yeah. and that's that's a big part of it is people. It's a misperception that once you are fully vaccinated, uh, you don't need to worry about it anymore. And maybe you don't. <clears throat> you don't. But there are other people that really, you know, you you could have the virus on you and it does nothing to you, but you could be passing it along to other people. And I don't think people know that. <sighs> So you got to keep your mouth covered and you, oh, that's the other thing is my pet peeve is to look at these people on television who have masks over their mouth, but not their nose. <laughs> I, I, I just look at them and I say, pull that up. Uh, yeah, I don't get that. Oh, and, and, man. Yeah. Well, we could go on and on, which we are, but ill-fitting masks and all these other things, like people with beards, and you, you got to have the right fit, you know? It's just like yep. it's just like anything else I could get into, but I won't use the term now. <laughs> okay, that That's makes sense. That's today. That's our rant. All right. <laughs> Do we have any, uh, Wear a any birthday? Um, can't remember now. Um, not that I can't. Don't put me on the spot because I don't know. I wish everybody birth, happy birthday every day whose birthday it is on Facebook, but um, uh-huh. I, I can't. I can't remember now. But um, April Fool's joke. So it's April Fool's Day. 
Well, okay. we're you're ta- we're taping on this day, so. But um, yeah, and my boys will be home. They're coming home on Saturday for the couple days. So I'm happy. Yay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. Well, I hope everybody has a, a wonderful Easter and they do it right. You know, I mean, you can't just go out to places where you don't wear a mask and you're with people that you haven't been with in a long time and you're not taking the necessary precautions because this is a perfect storm for having something like the fourth or fifth surge to happen. Because people mm-hmm. just get very lax now because we've had, I don't know, what percentage of the population is now vaccinated? I forget, but, you know, eh, whatever. <clears throat> we have to keep going. Can't stop now. Yep, absolutely. So, I think. Well, are we taking a break? Yeah. I think we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the Laurie and Lynn show, and we will be right back. Hi, this is Nancy Kamen from WILK's Morning News with Webster and Nancy. And I know Laurie Cadden. A lot of people know Laurie Cadden. And more importantly, Laurie Cadden knows a lot of people. Laurie Cadden Enterprises specializes in fundraising, public relations, and special events. Laurie Cadden can take your business or organization to the next level. This isn't something that you learn about in a book. Heck, it can't even be taught. Laurie Cadden lives it. She knows how to work a crowd, open doors, and build and nurture relationships. With Laurie Cadden Enterprises, you get, ta-da, Laurie Cadden and her 20-plus years of experience. Call Laurie today at 357-8399, 357-8399, or email Laurie, Laurie, L-A-U-R-I-E, at lauriecadden.com, L-A-U-R-I-E-C-A-D-D-E-N.com. Laurie Cadden Enterprises, because it is who you know. I'm Dr. Nicole DeNova. Since VREC opened its doors in 2010, we've treated over 30,000 patients, including the puppy whose curiosity led him to a porcupine and the police canine who was just doing his job. VREC is located at 318 Northern Boulevard in Clark Summit and is open 24-7 for your pet peace of mind. To learn more about us, visit VRECPA.com or call 570-587-7777. ERA, Exceptional Real Estate Agents. When you want to have the best of the best selling your home, you want ERA One Source Realty. With offices all over Northeastern Pennsylvania, ERA One Source Realty will give you the personalized service you'd expect from a professional real estate company. They have experienced realtors that have years of experience, which gives you, the home seller, an incredible advantage. They will offer suggestions to make your house sell faster. They will tell you what others will be looking for. They know how to present your home and sell its features, giving you the greatest chance to have your house sell fast. And ERA OneSource Realty offers an industry-exclusive guarantee. If ERA doesn't sell your house, ERA will buy it. Yes, if they don't sell your house, ERA will buy it. That's peace of mind. That's a guarantee worth its weight in gold. Call ERA OneSource Realty today and find out how you can have your house marketed by one of the top-rated companies in Northeastern Pennsylvania. Call 877-587-SELL or on the web at ERA1.com. ERA OneSource Realty, always there for you. It's Saturday morning with Lori and Lynn. Now, back to Lori and Lynn. Um, Hi, we're back. My name is Lynn Evans. I am the financial planner and managing director of a company called 
Women of Substance, LLC. It's a financial planning firm devoted specifically to the needs of baby boomer women. And I'm also the host of a podcast called Power of the Purse. And that's available on demand, of course, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and many other platforms. And I'm Laurie Cadden, the owner of Laurie Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising PR and special event business. And what okay, do we have so we, we have an opinion that we want to talk about here. And I am a little unclear as to what this woman is trying to say. But it comes from a site. It's a new site for me. It's called Consumerism Commentary. And it's a website that has lots of stuff about credit cards, banking, personal finance, investing, loans, insurance, all kinds of things. I never heard of it before, so it must be relatively new. Anyway, this article was written by a woman named Ginger. Ginger apparently doesn't have a last name. But uh, the name of the article was Marry for Money, and Here's Why. <laughs> I love it. I think you, you might like this. <laughs> okay. So Ginger is a fashionista in her late 20s, a wife and graduate student striving to have it all. She wrote this article for Consumerism Commentary, but Ginger also publishes the blog, Girls Just Wanna Have Funds, F-U-N-D-S. <laughs> so it's pretty, that's very clever. I have to start by saying that. Okay. So she says, let me preface this by stating that I am not suggesting that women marry solely for money. I am, after all, a believer in love and commitment as a solid foundation for marriage. However, I am suggesting that women who marry partners that are financially savvy, motivated by money, and have aligned views about their attitudes to money are indeed smarter than their counterparts who don't when choosing a life partner. And she says she will detail the benefits of that and has, having a solid financial plan in place and using money as a tool and not a crutch. So she says, women who choose financially savvy partners fare better than their counterparts who don't. Why? These women know that in order to have a marriage built to last, that finances play a huge role in the viability of the marriage. I know it sounds like we're discussing a corporate merger, but bear with me, after all, marriage in some respects is like a business. So there's a, I don't know if it's a website or a magazine, but it was called 1969 Inc. And they said, they said it best when asked, for her insights to marriage. Now I clicked on the link and that 1969 Inc. doesn't ex exist anymore. So I don't know what happened to it. But anyway, this was her quote. It's like running a corporation, a business venture. You have to go into it knowing that it could fail or it could succeed beyond your wildest dreams and make you rich. If the employees don't share the vision, believe in the vision and work together, the endeavor will fail. Some businesses will get rich, some will barely make ends meet, some will never make a dime. The money does not measure success. 
The sense of accomplishment will come from the daily struggle, the love of what you do, working together day in and day out. Okay, that sounds wonderful, lofty. Okay, let's get into the reality. The reality is that personal finance issues are the leading cause of divorce. And in order to live happily ever after, you must be on the same page as far as your finances is concerned. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Capiche? So, what makes these women smarter? Now, this is where I have to say, I don't know about this, but we can talk about it. When smart women meet a partner, they aren't wooed by good looks and the smooth talk. After all, those come a dime a dozen. These women, this is the smart women she's referring to, are looking at how their potential partners spend money. Does he have an emergency fund? Is he current on their monthly bills, such as the car payment and rent or mortgages? Does he spend more than he earns? Does he put money aside in the savings account? They're listening keenly to understand how their potential mates relate to money. Is it a tool? Is it a crutch? They know the difference and conduct business accordingly. Should the potential mate fall into the category of the above mentioned, then it's time to say goodbye. After all, who wants a man who isn't interested in learning how to manage his money effectively? They are in it for the long haul, not a few cheap dates. Now, these are the smart women, again, she's talking about. Smart women are up to date on the latest issues in personal finance. They understand rate chasing, investing for the long haul, and understand that while they may have substantial savings, practice and embrace frugality. They look for similar, if not the same qualities in their potential mates. Smart women want to be able to relate not only on a romantic level, but also on issues regarding personal finance. Who wants a man with no financial plan in place? I certainly don't. Where does he see himself in two years, five years, ten years? Is he thinking long or short term? That will answer the course of, that will determine the course of the relationship. Ideally, he should be able to think past next month's car payment and project how much he will have in his savings account by year's end. This, an expectation for smart women, not a hope or a dream, but something they demand and require in a potential mate. Take a few minutes to let it all sink in. Gone are the days when gold diggers were secretly envied because they were able to go for the gusto and stifle high-pitched screams during musty sex with a shriveled-up old oil tank. <laughs> what a visual that was. Oh, okay. Move over and make way for women who are in control of their financial destinies and not afraid to say it. They are armed with a positive net worth and not afraid to flaunt it. Okay, and then the bottom line was, are you a smart woman? Okay, I don't know what drug this woman is on, but yes, it, when you consider the divorce rate that goes on in this country, and really around the civilized world, you have to really wonder, you know, what were they thinking? And which, at which way were they looking? Uh, you know, yes, they know that a lot of women know that men in the process of courtship can turn it on big time. 
But the reality is that once the courtship is over and once they seem to have settled into a couple, then the question is, how do they each interact with each other financially? Well, I don't know how many women I know, like maybe none, that would ask a man to see his personal financial plan, even if he had one. I don't know how many women would ask for uh, to know how much is in his savings account, how much does he put aside every month, uh, or whether or not he's current on his bills. It's just not something, it still is not something that we talk about in our society. Money is still a taboo. And I don't think that too many women, except for those who have established a significant amount of wealth. So we're talking about women in their, probably in their 50s, who are marrying for either the first or second time. They would want to know all that and make sure that their assets were protected in case this thing ends up in divorce. But not too many women in their 20s would be asking these questions of their counterparts because for the most part, you've got student loans, you've got apartments you're living in. So uh, there's not a whole lot of wealth built up in that environment, which is why I find this so bizarre that this woman who is in her 20s is asking other women to think this way when there's nothing there to really talk about. Well, is it, do you know if she's even real? I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming she is because she says, and when she introduces herself to this audience, that she is someone who is in her 20s, her late 20s, a wife and a graduate student. So, okay. Okay, good for you. But I don't know what, and then the best part of all of this are the comments that people make. Some of them, you know, you know, there are so many people that hide behind anonymity online and say things they wouldn't say to your face. I get that. Absolutely. But the first, the first one is a guy named Andy who said, wow, you are a sick human being. Don't ever marry guys. Losing half of what you have in divorce isn't worth it. So apparently Andy has some issues. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um, here's one. This is a very practical person. I don't know if, it, if this is a male or female person, but its its name is S-A-C-H-I-N, and it, and it doesn't have a very good command of the English language. So but I'll say he starts out by saying, okay, let's think for a moment. This article is true. Number one, I think he meant to say, let's think for a moment if this article is true. Number one, choose money over love. Okay, let's think. A man earning good, now this, he's Indian and I know this because he says, if you're non-Indian, but in parentheses, it's suppose one CR. I don't know what a CR means, but it's a currency. So if... Suppose a man is earning good money, which in, in that world is one CR a year. He said, if you're non-Indian, convert and assume one amount yourself as per your country's currency. So she agreed due to his income after marriage, then suppose his income gets two to three CR per year, 
Then if he starts to keep affair with another woman due to this extra income, then is it wrong? He says, I guess as per this article, it's not wrong. First woman married due to his lower income. So from his extra income, if he manages an extra affair, nothing wrong with that, right? Pathetic. Kindly, yes, kindly stop publishing such a BS article. Half of the teen gals getting spoiled due to their immature mind in reading this kind of article. Income will not be constant. I'm not sure what that means. And then this other woman, Julia, says, I met a man 15 years ago through work. Though he was a really nice guy, he was so interesting to me. I shouldn't say though. Thought he was a really nice guy. He was so interesting to me, like a treasure chest that I wanted to unlock, open, and explore all facets of his mind and character. That was until I learned that he was wealthy. Put me right off. Lo and behold, despite us probably being compatible and making each other happy and being in love, there was a gold digger waiting right around the corner with blue eyes and blonde hair to drag him off up around the mountain so she could share the money. As soon as they started dating, his good character disappeared, and I started from that point to find him uninteresting and even quite ugly. (laughs) He married this woman, and I hope they're very happy together. Better off in this day and age just observing what people do and staying out of harm's way by living by yourself and just following your own hobbies. It's really quite a show when you're not the one getting ripped off. This woman, God love her. She needs a life. But anyway, um, it's just funny that you read these things. You know, And you and I have talked about this many times, about the fact that you you marry men. Uh, when it, what was the saying? It's easier to marry a rich man as it is a poor man. Uh huh. And so, so given that, yes, we know this. But at the same time, should we really well, do? Does anybody really marry for money, or do they marry for sex and love? Well. What happens is, as we talked about before, that in the beginning, as you said, everything's so, you know, everybody's trying to do the, the old psychs, you know, therapy yeah. line. Women, women give sex to get love and men give love to get sex. So when that works in the beginning, because you're looking for the same thing, just flipped around and then when you get that and the woman gets and they flip it and they no longer get the sex the man then the woman doesn't get the love and that's when stuff starts that's the courtship part of it that's yeah i mean that's what happens you know Mm -hmm. um and then when one or the other stops giving what the other one wants that's when issues start so, it um, is. but we're going to have to leave it there because we're running out of time. Oh, so we're, yeah, I know. So we're just going to say that uh, you're listening to the Laurie Lynn show and we'll be back with our guests from ERA one real estate. Um, and, and it'll be fun. You'll hear some really good stuff. So stay with us.
Hi, my name is Lynn S. Evans, CFP, co-host of The Laurie and Lynn Show. I am the managing director of a new business, Women of Substance, LLC, a financial planning firm dedicated to the specific financial needs of baby boomer women. I help them navigate through widowhood, retirement, divorce, and job loss. Send me an email at lynn at lynnsevans.com and let me know how I can help you. I'm also the host of a podcast, Power of the Purse, available on more than 30 sites, including iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. We record these lively conversations with women who've been there and have great advice to give others so they don't go down the same dark holes. And we feature some experts who share some great ideas to be prepared before you have to face these transitions. And we have a whole lot of fun. Please don't let the fear of not knowing about personal finances stop you anymore. I am here to take the confusion and mystery out of money. Go to my website, lynnsevans.com and see how we can set up a time to talk or browse around the many blogs and other free info on the site. Remember, money's not the enemy. Your ignorance of it is. The well-established and highly respected Northeastern Pennsylvania certified public accounting firm, Michael A. Barbetti, LLC, is making changes after almost 40 years in business. The firm name has changed and is now Barbetti McHale, LLC, CPA, reflecting the addition of Michael F. McHale as partner in the longstanding firm. Although the name and partnership are a significant change, the staff won't change. Their Dunmore location won't change. The way they serve clients won't change. Their work ethic won't change. And Michael Barbetti's involvement won't change. The Barbetti-McHale partnership adds Mike McHale's three decades of experience in corporate and not-for-profit accounting for the clients of the regional firm. Barbetti-McHale LLC Certified Public Accountants provides professional accounting and tax services to all types of clients, ranging from individuals and family-owned businesses to governmental agencies and nonprofit organizations. Call Barbetti-McHale CPAs at their Dunmore office, and you too can make a change for the better. Business Banking at Fidelity. Universal Printing started out in Northeast Pennsylvania in June of 1995. Since that time, we have grown to 155 employees. What we do, we're a document solutions business. We do printing. We have an IT department on site. There's computer programmers, developers, production people. So all of our IT is done in-house. The nature of our business is it is very capital intensive. What we continue to do is adapt to the needs of our customers. And in order to do that, we have to continue to invest in the best state-of-the-art equipment that's out there. And we can do that with the support of Fidelity Bank. Fidelity allows us to play on a playing field that we could never have played on if we didn't have the support of a strong local bank that believed in us. They're not just saying they support the community, they're doing it. And we feel really blessed to have a partner in Fidelity Bank. Well, we're back. My name is Lynn Evans. I am the Managing Director and Financial Planner with Women of Substance, LLC. That's a financial planning firm in Clark Summit that is specifically geared to the needs of baby boomer women. I'm also the host of a podcast called Power of the Purse, and that's available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast sites. And I'm Laurie Cadden, the owner of Laurie Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising PR and special event business. And with us today, I think for the first time, we have Renee Hauser, who is a realtor with ERA One Source Realty. Renee's had her license since 2005, so she's been around for a while, everybody. She knows what she's talking about, and she's going to talk to us 
a little bit to further inform us about where the market is in our area, what's happening, and um, what anything you might need to know when it comes to possibly wanting to list your house. So, Renee, thank you for joining us. It's good to have you with us. Oh, thank you very much, Lori. It's a pleasure. I just said, Renee, we were, we, I said, Renee, I know we've, we talked because we're both at ERA and, mm-hmm. um, and I, and I said, um, that, you know, Renee, I know we, we, we met and you said, yes, we've met. You go, I'm the one with the curly hair. And I said, <laughs> the big blonde curly hair, big blonde <laughs> curly hair. There we go. Yeah. So, that's a, that's anyway. a good giveaway now that we all have to wear masks. You know, it's hard to recognize people, (laughs) but everyone knows me because of the big blonde curly hair. Yeah, you got it. So what is happening out there? We can speculate, and we've been hearing some good things from our friend Leah and um, other guests that we've had on from ERA One Source, and mentioning, too, that ERA has about 100 agents in 10 counties and seven offices. So they're all over the place. So, Renee, what's going on? What, what do you see? What's your perspective? Oh, I, everybody's looking for a home. I mean, we have so many buyers right now that, that want to purchase a home, and they're reaching out and saying there's nothing on the market, and there really isn't. There's only about 300, a little over 300 homes listed in our MLS right now available for sale. And these buyers are noticing that there, there is nothing on the market, and as soon as they come on the market, they're selling above ask mm-hmm. and within days. So, you know, it, it's a seller's market right now. Yay. And Renee, <laughs> yeah, no. how, how, has, how have the, uh, from your end of things, how have you been seeing the appraisals coming in? Because even though houses can sell over the asking price because people really want them, a bank isn't going to lend money unless you have, you know, money down for the difference of something. Are they, the difference of what it's worth versus what you have to take a mortgage, you're asking for the mortgage for. So how, how have you been seeing our appraisals going up as well then? Or are they, are they missing the mark? Or where are we from an appraisal standpoint, do you see? Well, I think right now what we're seeing is that, yes, these homes are coming in over asking price. Now, for those listening, if it's a cash offer, obviously that's not an issue. That's right. But anytime, right. So anytime they're taking a mortgage, the mortgage company or the lender will order an appraisal. And the appraisal mm-hmm. has to come in at, at the value of at least what the loan will be. So in other words, for those who are new to home buying, you can't purchase a, a home for $200,000 if it's only going to appraise for 100000 yeah. So it's very important <laughs> to make sure that the homes appraise for what um, the asking price is. And we're seeing that now that more homes are selling at a higher price, the likelihood is that they will appraise at at the higher prices. But there's times it's not happening. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, so in that case, then with the lender, they'll they'll have to work to figure out a way to maybe have more of a down payment or, you know, talk back to the sellers to see if they could reduce the price. But we're seeing both ends. So homes are appraising in some areas and not in others. Um, but you can't always just get a home, sell a home and hope to get a really high asking price because if the buyer is going to have a mortgage, it may not appraise for what you're hoping. Right. And I always say that people, you know, it's selling your house is so, it's so emotional because a lot of times it's the house you raised your family in or, or wonderful things have happened or sometimes not so wonderful and you, you, you need to get out and it becomes emotional. And so always with that emotional attachment comes, 
um, a little more anxiety. So I, I always tell people you can think your house is worth a million dollars, but if it really isn't, you're not going to get that. So you have to be realistic about what you get for it, unless, of course, like you said, if it's a cash deal, then all these things are off the table because that's another right. story. Exactly. Yeah. And you have to work with a real estate agent or a realtor who is going to do a, a, a competitive market analysis, mm-hmm. a comparative market analysis that's accurate or as, you know, as close to accurate as you can, you can get because you want a realistic view of what your home is worth when you put it on the market. Um, you, you know, right. you don't want to overprice your home so much that you don't get the buyers in and you don't want to underprice it where you're going to undersell it. So you really need to have that realistic view of what your home is worth before you even put it on the market. Mm-hmm. And, and I was just talking to a friend of mine this morning and she was telling me about her dad. And, I, and she said, I, I told him, Dad, get an appraisal before you, you know, you'd sell it because you could, you could think it's some, worth something less and it's more at this in this market. And I said, well, first of all, if you when you hired the proper agent, they are going to do a CMA on that property anyway before they list it. Even if your dad had said, I want it for this, they're going to make sure it's it's worth it's it's priced where it's worth based on the comps that you would do, not as a certified appraiser, but as a real estate agent who will look through the MLS and look for comps to be able to somewhat to properly price the the, uh, the property and get it to sell. And again, there's an old school rule of thumb, uh, Renee, that says you know you if your house isn't selling, it's either environment there's an environmental issue or it's not priced it's not priced correctly. So I think right. that that happens a lot of time when we don't a lot of the time when when people again they think it's more. Um, agents will put it on for a higher price, even if it's a little bit over, but there's always that possibility. So it's so important to listen to the realtor and let them present to you the facts that they have, that they're getting from the MLS because it's what's sold, Renee, right? I mean, people want to tell you sometimes that they know more about it and you're the expert in it. I think people have to listen a little more so it's properly done. Yes, absolutely. And, and of course, they could hire an appraiser if they really want to. But sure. if you're working with a realtor, you're going to get that CMA. And the CMA takes into consideration how much homes have sold for in the past, what they're currently selling for, and how much the homes that are sale pending are listed at. So you really get a great view of what's happening in your area, in your community. And, you know, every town could even be so different. I live in Dunmore. And a home on one section of a home in one section of Dunmore could have totally different comps than a home in a different section of Dunmore. So mm-hmm. you know, a realtor who knows the area can get you the right comps, do the, the CMA for you, and you'll really have an idea of what your home is worth. Now that doesn't mean you can't list it above that, you know. So you have some some leeway to play with the numbers or or to hope for a higher value. Absolutely. But you really have to take that all into consideration. Yep. And I think the ones that are, I think what, I think the ones that are priced accurately are, and, and this is true in any situation, the ones that are priced right are selling quick. Right. Right now, Correct. right now, homes are selling extremely fast, but there also aren't a lot of homes on the market. So, you know, you still want to price your home accurately because otherwise you're going to be sitting on it for a long time. And once buyers see that the home hasn't sold for a while, it becomes less interesting and, and more worrisome. Right. Like, why hasn't that, ho- that house sold? 
Right, yeah. because the average person doesn't realize that. When you look at how many days something sit on the market, um, that is what happens. And uh, most of the time it is because it, they just don't want to go down in price and people don't want to pay um, for it what they don't think it's worth. So that's, that's a big problem. Right. Renee, exactly. And the are, other issue, let me, let me interrupt, but the other issue is when you overprice your home and it sits on that market for three months, six months or longer, the average buyer may lose interest, but then you're going to get the people who only want to lowball the offers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now you're going to get some really, really low offers. So it's just counterintuitive. Yeah. And then how about the from the, um, not the commercial, but from the um, multifamily, multi-unit properties? They don't seem to be as abundant as they used to be. How, how, what's going on with that? Is it just that they're more popular or people are, are not selling them for um, multi-unit? Well, you know, I think from everything I'm seeing on social media, from, from those who rent, it seems to be in this area that rents are increasing. Uh, our rents are getting higher and higher in this area. So multi-unit right now is a good investment. So mm-hmm. we're not seeing, not everybody wants to sell these investment properties. They're bringing in money right now. So, you know, there's less of those on the market as well. Now, I will say, if you are an investor and you're thinking about selling your property, you know, and, and getting out of that business, this is the time to do it because properties are selling so quickly. Right. And like you said, the rents are better because the, you know, there's a, a an influx of people coming in, leaving cities that because of the remote learning or teaching and, and learning and working, we don't have to be subjected to being in the city we necessarily are doing work with because um, COVID has taught us this in many ways that you can work remotely from just about anywhere other than meetings, you know, whenever they may pop up. But, you know, if you're not that far away, I think people are realizing this neck of the woods is so convenient to so many big cities and it's just a a great place to raise a family and the cost of living is certainly much lower. It is. And, you know, I recently, I, I went out for, for ice cream and ran into a couple that are want to purchase a home in this area, but they live in Manhattan. And, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people are leaving the big cities um, because they can work from home. They don't necessarily want to stay in the big cities and pay high rents or mortgages. So they are moving to, to other communities, and this is a great one for that because the cost of living is low, but there's so much to offer. So, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just another reason the homes are selling quickly around here, as well as the fact that the rents are going up because there are these people now who, who've realized that maybe city life isn't, what they need, and, and this is a great place to move to. Yeah. You know, I also yeah. think this will be a great, great opportunity for everybody who's been pushing to try to get train service from this area into Manhattan to give mm-hmm. them all the more incentive to do something like that because that would just be such a gift, I mean, to those people. Maybe not so much for us, I don't know, but um, it's got to be a great thing to have that kind of train service because we already had it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think there's I I think there's definitely two sides to that: those who want it and those who don't. But I think we have to look at the reality (laughs) that there are people moving here from from cities, and we are two hours from Manhattan. We're two hours from Philadelphia. You know, we're a few hours to to the beach. We're we're a few hours to upstate New York. So we're in such a great location that we are. You know, it's a fantastic area, and, and people are realizing that more and more. Yep, yep. 
For sure. So, um, Lynn, I don't know where we are with um, yep. time. So I think I, it's time we... for us to ask okay, Renee, that's, how do that's we get what I thought. I kind of, yeah, Renee, please give us your info for, for anyone who needs oh, yes. to possibly talk to you. Yeah, of course. So I'll give you my cell phone. Let's start with that. My cell phone number is 570-466-0531. And, of course, you could reach me at ERA. That's 570-587-9999. But I do have a series of YouTube videos on my YouTube channel. So if you go on YouTube and just look up Renee Hauser, and that's R-E-N-E-E-H-A-S-E-R, you can watch one of my YouTube videos. And you could, of course, find me on my Facebook page or Instagram. I'm everywhere. So, um, yeah, just reach out. Just look for the girl with the curly hair. Big blonde curly hair. That's right. Blonde curly hair. There we go. I love it. <laughs> well, Renee, you did you you did a great job, Renee. Thank you for joining us. We hope um, Leo will um, bring you back again. You were very very good and we and very informative, uh-huh. and we appreciate your time. My so, pleasure. Um, I hope everyone has a very happy Easter and uh, a healthy one to boot. And you too, you too, honey. And thank we'll you. talk to you soon. And everybody else, we thank you for listening. Have a wonderful Easter, happy Passover, and we will see you next week. Have a good week. Be safe. Thank you. Be nice. Bye. 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 Bye.